0: Welcome back to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Kristen Eichhammer. And Crystal Bonham, Senior Communications Advisor to the President's Office. Here at the Heritage Foundation is back in studio with us today. Crystal, Howdy. thanks for being here. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> well, we have just pivoted. We were talking about discussing books during the intro. We were talking about discussing college football, of course. Crystal, go, because, because, let's go. you're here. But then we were like, wait a second, wait a second, Taylor Swift.
1: <laughs> yes, always surprising us. <laughs> Big news for Taylor Swift. This week, right? It just came out? Yeah, no. Taylor Swift was officially named this year's Times Person of the year and it was a stacked list including the newly coronated king of england although don't totally agree with that um (laughs) but taylor swift came out on top per usual not surprised Um, Mm -hmm. and you can go check out the times covers because she's got some fire outfits like Mm -hmm. it's really cute classic i love that for her
0: well and i think whether you like taylor swift or not Just alone on her ability to stimulate our economy over the past year, the economic impact (laughs) of her era's tour—like
1: you can't
2: compare it. Insane, totally insane. It's amazing to see. I mean, okay, let's let's back up though because Time Magazine, like for whatever it's worth, I think the top three people that they narrowed it down to for this year was Taylor Swift, the Trump prosecutors, and Barbie, which. Not I actually. mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, Barbie's not, like, a, a real person as, <laughs> no, as far not. as I know. And like, <laughs> I'm sure someone out there is named Barbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, <laughs> real, <but>. you're real. You're <laughs> real. Don't have an identity crisis. Which, like, the Barbie movie, the Barbie franchise, sure. Like, they, they did it big this year, too. But Yeah. Uh, uh, and, like, last year, time-named Ukrainian President Zelensky as Person of the Year. So, like, uh, grain of salt, yeah. grain of salt. But as a Swifty, I'm not mad
1: about it. Yeah. So no. we'll, just, I'm we'll not I'll either. just leave that there. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean—, mean sorry i just cut you off but 12 time grammy award winner Mm. she has accrued more than 26.1 billion streams Since the start of the year, according to Spotify Wrapped, which is like actually insane, insane. Um, she was the second most played for some people, and I don't know if you guys have checked out the Wrapped yet. I have. Dierks Bentley was my top artist, (laughs) so like done. I was Morgan Wallen, so very close. Like it shows you the demographics too of like where your song choice, and it was um, Green Bay, Wisconsin. So I was like, yes, I am still a Midwest girl, (laughs) but. Yeah, like her video was so well done and and Dirk's was too. Dirk's, I'm giving you love. But so like they used her video for more like it wasn't just if she was your number 1 pick, it was like top 3. Mm-hmm, you got the mm-hmm. Taylor Swift video because she yeah. just did such a good job. Like she yeah. puts her heart and soul in everything.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's just the the favor that woman has and how hard She works, And again, like we've talked about on the show, we've backed her plenty for her political views that are uh, just wrong and some of the things that she said and and done. So you cannot love Taylor Swift, but you do have to appreciate the fact that the woman has kind of revolutionized the music industry. Mm -hmm. And man, has she helped a lot of businesses across America. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not mad about that. (laughs) Not mad (laughs) about that.
1: Totally. All right. Well, Kristen, we have a full show today. Let us know. What do we have queued up? Up on today's Problematic Women, we talk red states versus blue states on the heels of the fourth presidential debate. Plus, why have Ireland protests led to the redefinition of free speech in Ireland? We bring you what you need to know. And a Maryland professor is put on leave after posting hateful and just plain false comments about Jewish individuals. We break down how she could not be more wrong. And as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week each week. On
0: Problematic Women, we sort through the news, define the stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded
1: by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it.
0: On Wednesday night, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie faced off in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, to discuss some of the major issues facing our country. This was the fourth presidential debate, and... I'm going to be in full disclosure here, let you all know, if you want a great rundown of that fourth debate, check out the Daily Signal podcast. So we are recording Problematic Women, as many of you know. We released early Thursday morning, um, and because the whole crew um, was not able to stay and record super, super late on Wednesday night, we are recording before the debate but we have a show coming out on the daily signal podcast that gives a great rundown of the full debate and we're going to go into detail of the highlights so check that out if you want a rundown of the fourth presidential debate but a debate that honestly (laughs) i think will be talked about a little bit longer in some ways is the red versus blue state debate that happened last week this was unique because we've Heard from all of the presidential candidates as of now. But this was a unique platform where you had Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and California Governor Gavin Newsom debating essentially on the principles of conservatism versus the left. And of course, when you think about red versus blue, what is A classic blue state that you think of, California. What's a classic red state that you think of, Florida? So it was really unique to see these two governors on the same stage. And Fox hosted the debate with Sean Hannity. He moderated. And the whole point was, okay, let's highlight and show the policy differences between the right and the left. And let's put them on display. So there was a lot of big moments. I have a lot of thoughts about how this went down. but for you all i'm going to start what were some of the most significant moments from the night that you think have continued to be talked about and will continue to be talked about
2: I mean, having lived in both states,
0: I was really eager to watch the debate
2: and I, I think it went well. There, there's things that I loved and, and didn't like as much. And yeah. I thought it could have been a little bit more productive from a policy standpoint, 100%. explaining more of the reasons why I'm getting more into depth rather than just sparring back and forth about data and who's lying and who's not and, and whatnot. But nevertheless, I think overall, you know, the everyday American across the board, like between California and Florida, right? Like middle America, everyone is looking at this presidential primary season as, you know, who has solutions to the pain points that we're feeling? Like, Mm -hmm. we can't afford to put gas in our cars. Groceries are at an all-time high. Like, we just... Who, who has the solutions? And so yeah. I think this was the first time really historically that we've had a, an opportunity, at least in, in modern election cycles, to, to see this on full display. And I would be remiss if I didn't say I think one of the highlights of the night was Ron DeSantis bringing the receipts. Mm-hmm. Like He literally brought props. Mm-hmm. He held up a couple pieces of paper and was like, OK, Newsom. Yeah. Like, here it is. What do you have to, have to it? say about this? What do this? you have to say about this? And so for me, that was like,
0: ooh, he did it. Like, yeah, <laughs> he went there. Yeah. Well, and the you could tell that the in those moments, there was a little bit of tension in the room. It was like, oh, shoot. He, he brought the, like you said, he brought the Call me on my shots. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. One of those was with a book that is straight porn that has been found in some schools, in the state of California. Let's go ahead and take a listen to that moment.
3: So this is a book that's in some of the schools in California, Florida. This is not consistent with our standards called "Gender Queer. I, it's Some of it's blacked out. You would not probably be able to put this on air. This is pornography. It's cartoons. It's aimed at children. Uh, and it's wrong. So this should not be in schools when people like on the left say that somehow you're banning books by removing this from a young kid's classroom. No, this is not age appropriate. And so we're going to stand for the rights of parents. I think we need to do that nationwide. I don't think you can have a situation where some states just trample on the rights of parents. Parents have a fundamental right to direct the education and upbringing of their kids. I, I
2: mean, by the way, you've been on a banning bench.
3: 1,406 books have been banned just last year.
0: Okay, so there was lots of claims <laughs> thrown around. <laughs> but just bringing and being honest and saying look like this is what's happening i was fascinated by the and we see this in politics but there was a lot of just refusing to answer the Mm questions specifically from newsom with stuff like this that it was like hey what do you say about this? And it was like just hard pivots. And a lot of what we refer to in the news as blocking and bridging.
2: Yes. Mm. I mean, it's classic. It's textbook from, you know, the left's operative handbook Mm -hmm. where, you know, we don't want to answer the hard questions. And so we're just going to pivot to our talking points Mm -hmm. and or pivot to an attack Mm -hmm. on our opponent because we don't have a good answer, mm-hmm. right. right? Their their answer is heinous mm-hmm. at best. And if you're, I mean, if you're obviously listening to this, what you may have missed if you haven't seen it before is Governor DeSantis holding up a piece of paper with uh, like an excerpt from this graphic novel, Gender Queer. And there's portions of it that are redacted because it's showing sexually explicit material. Mm-hmm. And these are, have been available in many libraries of elementary schools across the country a lot of states have stepped up to to remove those from because they're obviously sexually explicit and inappropriate for school age children yep. um and it's funny we we talked about this a little bit off off the record but uh, it was maybe nine months to a year ago governor DeSantis held a press conference down in florida about mm-hmm. the florida quote-unquote book ban right mm-hmm. and they were they were he held this press conference to to discuss why it was a hoax and they started showing multiple images of, of many of the books that florida has now deemed as inappropriate to be in in k-12 libraries or you know mostly k-5 through middle school etc and the florida tv outlets had to cut their feed
1: mm. And wow. this is
2: and he said it right in the debate where it's like, this is not something that you can show on probably air. on Fox News or, yeah. or anywhere. Like, yeah, it's, it's not appropriate. Yeah. And yet the double standard, it, it's night and day. Yep. Bringing that bringing those receipts, like really bringing that imagery forward and being like forcing the left to confront this issue and, and answer the question, which Newsom didn't.
1: You right. No, I mean, the whole, no surprise. The whole time you can go to any of the questions. And I just remember the opening question. And I thought, you know, Santos did a good job answering it. And then they pivot to Newsom. And he's like, I'm going to talk to America. And I don't know. <laughs> it gave me PTSD to 2020 when Biden <laughs> did the same exact thing. So maybe he has the same, you know, debate prep coach or whatever. <laughs> but to your point. DeSantis is doing exactly what so many American families and parents are doing in school Mm boardrooms, and they're receiving the same just non-answer of, we're not going to show that here, we're not acknowledging your question, we're not even going to, like, give you the respect of Mm. answering it, Mm. we're just going to block and bridge, which is the cute little media term of not answering the question, and (laughs) I just... Wake up, America, and, and see who is actually taking those hard questions and who is not. In this case, Newsom did not take them.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean for me, it's like the absolute disrespect for parents, mm, right? Governor yeah. Newsom's response is essentially the state we we know better than parents how to educate and raise their children, and that is just so disrespectful. Mm-hmm. It's it's appalling, right? Mm-hmm. And that, and that's why you've seen across the country. Parents rising up, going to school board meetings, asking, they're not hard questions. Mm-mm. They're very simple questions. Yeah. Why is this in my kid's school? Exactly. What are you teaching my kid? Yep. There should be transparency. But they're there uncomfortable. Should be they're be. uncomfortable. They don't yeah.
1: want to answer They've it because caught. they know it's wrong. <laughs>
0: They've been caught red-handed yeah. and they, mm-hmm. they, it doesn't make them feel comfortable. No. no, it does not. Well, the debate opened in, in part by talking about the mass exodus that we've mm-hmm. seen out of mm-hmm. California. And Sean Hannity put a graphic on the screen where he showed the numbers of how many people have have left California, how many people uh, have moved to Florida, and really press them on, okay, why do you think this is that some people are choosing to leave California? And DeSantis actually brought a story up at one point that was a quite memorable moment when he talked about Mm -hmm. that exodus. Let's take a listen to that.
3: So I was talking to a fella who had made the move from California uh, to Florida. And he was telling me that Florida is much better governed, uh, safer, better budget, uh, lower taxes, all this stuff. And he's really happy with the quality of life. And then he paused and he said, you know, by the way, I'm Gavin Newsom's father-in-law. So we do count Gavin's in-laws as some of the people that have fled California um, and come to the state of Florida. And, And why are we why are we getting people to come? We have a 50 year low in the crime rate. You don't see, in the last 10 years, we've had a 45% decline in homelessness. California has had a 45% increase in homelessness. We back the blue. I was walking the streets of San Francisco a couple months ago, and I had some of the cops in San Francisco do a beeline to come over to me, and I didn't know what they were going to say. And they're like, we want to thank you for standing for law enforcement, because we don't get that support in the All state right. of California. So people understand me, quality of life matters. They understand that Florida's doing it right. And I can tell you, the numbers speak for themselves. We have way more people move moving on. to this state than leaving. Gavin can't say the opposite.
0: When and you were hearing a little bit there at the end, Hannity saying, let's move on. <laughs> and there was multiple moments during the night when Hannity was trying to get control of DeSantis and Newsom. And honestly, that's probably my biggest complaint from the debate is there was a lot of them talking over one another. Mm-hmm. And it just was not productive of literally it was like, OK, how long can I keep talking? And can I out talk the other person and just talk over them mm-hmm. and whole chunks? was like, I have no idea what you guys are saying because you're just shouting. And yeah. I, I literally posted on X, like, someone needs to give Hannity a gavel to get control of these people. It's <laughs> like it was, a like, mute button, maybe. Yeah, a mute yeah. button. Like, okay, boys, we're
1: going to just pause this there. This has been happening for so long. Like, they just need to cut the mics. I do believe in free speech, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah,
2: I mean, I think another overall theme of the night was Governor Newsom just refusing to believe any data set, no mm-hmm. matter where it came from. Yeah, And Hannity... To his credit, I think did a good job of pulling data from a, a broad swath of sources. He did CDC, leftist outlets, right wing outlets, mm-hmm. neutral outlets. Like he did a good job of presenting data and just saying, "What do you have to say about this?" Yeah. Right. Yeah. And time and again, Newsom is just like, "Nope, that's wrong, that's a lie." It's like, what? What, what data would you believe? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And to Governor Santa's point in that clip, I mean, it's really like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs thing, right? Like people are moving to Florida, they're moving to Texas, they're Mm -hmm. moving to Tennessee and other red states that are being governed differently than California, New York, etc. Because of the quality of life. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to afford to live, to be free, to know that they are safe Mm -hmm. to do that. You can't walk the streets of San Francisco anymore unless you're Xi Jinping. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Like, we can clean it up for a communist dictator, but we can't keep it clean for the people who have to go to work every single day. Yeah. And that's just, for me, the display of red versus blue state Mm -hmm. and what people want
1: and we can't forget i worked in a position before this where we we really did compare red states versus blue states like not just california and florida but it was kind of looking more at the covid laws at the time because that Mm -hmm. was a huge indicator of who is where on the moral spectrum Mm -hmm. when it comes to free free markets free speech all of that and what we found is yeah to your point all of these red states are seeing an influx of People from blue states, because they know that they're not going to be told to stay home. They know they're not going to be like their businesses aren't going to be locked down. They're not going to be prosecuted for opening their business during a time where there's, you know, guidelines, not laws guidelines mandates, like mandates. just straight yeah. up executive mandates exactly <laughs> yeah. they're they're respected the the truths of our constitution are truths and not options yeah. And, yeah. and and that is why we are seeing these you know changes and that is something that a dictator can ignore in this mm-hmm. case but a true leader of of the people will not so yeah kind of sad but yeah that's where we're at very telling
2: yeah uh, talking to some of my family that are still in california and just friends that are still there The saddest thing to me is not that they're there because they want to be there. California is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The weather is amazing. Like, no one is going to knock that, right? Like, it's pristine. It's gorgeous. Like, it's it's amazing. Yeah. But even my friends that are like, if I had an option to leave, I would, but I'm scared to leave. Mm. And so to me, that says, like, Newsom has a huge problem on his hand because not only have a massive amount of people fled the state. There's like not even U-Hauls available for people to move anymore. But there is an entire population of folks who may or may not be political, but they're also like, well, if I had the opportunity, I would leave. Yeah. So I think this is just the tip of the iceberg for California. And it's been happening for decades, frankly. But it'll be interesting to see as we have more of these red versus blue state conversations and it's more on display, Mm -hmm. how many more of those people kind of get the courage to make that decision to leave. Yeah,
0: yeah. Or if we if we want to live in an ideal world, it's a wake up call, right? Hopefully. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's not practical to think. But ultimately that that would be the end goal, right? That there's a wake up call of okay, the policies that the left has implemented in California aren't working. We have to change something. Yeah. And let's change it so that people want to move to California because Crystal, like you said, like DeSantis said during the debate, it's a it's great gorgeous. state. <laughs> like it's beautiful. It offers yeah. mountains and beach and there's so much natural beauty and yeah. the weather's amazing. So, California, we have hope for you. <laughs> Do better. Let's get Reagan 2.0, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and at the
2: risk of jumping ahead, yeah, if you don't mind, please. they're fleeing to red states. One place that
0: people are not fleeing to maybe is Ireland. Mm.
1: (laughs) They're not fleeing to Ireland. And
0: we're going to talk about why they are not fleeing to Ireland across the pond in just a moment. But before we get to that, we are so excited during the month of December to be promoting an amazing business owned and operated by a very problematic woman herself. Hope beauty makeup line is founded by Hope Harvard and she is on a mission to revive a revolution of femininity by retelling the stories of the pioneers of beauty, the women of scripture, and she is doing it through makeup. Hope Beauty has cleverly matched the stories of the women in the Bible with makeup to enhance your beauty routine because nothing shines brighter than a godly glow, according to Hope Harvard. So every product has an inspirational meaning from their marvelous mascara that's a reminder that you are fearfully, wonderfully, and marvelously made by God. I actually have that mascara and mm. it's really good. It doesn't clump. Love it. Been using it now for about two months. Major fan. And they have lip line products. They have highlighters for contouring, for blush. They have eyeshadow. And it's all has a biblical message with it, which is really really fun, Kristen. I know that you
1: have. Some yeah, I have the, from Hope the Ruth contour stick. I think that's what it's technically called. Yeah. and then the Eve. It's essentially the same thing, but more of a blush, and I love it. I definitely want to try out a little bit more lip, eye, all of that. Oh, I also have the eyeshadow, oh. the Mother eyeshadow, which is so cool because it's like in a little pot, and you mm-hmm. you know scoop it out with a, a brush, and it goes on. Like creamy, but then it dries dry. So hmm. it's really cool. It's a little shimmery. It's Beautiful. pretty natural too. It's not a crazy color. So I love it. And it's... and I think we talked about the fact that you don't necessarily need a primer with that eyeshadow,
0: <gasps> right? Which is very yeah. cool. No, you don't. Which um, takes one step out of the morning routine process. Yeah, seriously. Lazy girl morning routine. <laughs> Lazy girl morning. <laughs> routine.
1: We love it. <laughs> yeah.
0: So if you're looking for either fresh makeup for yourself or for Christmas gifts Mm. for your sisters, moms, daughters, cousins, friends, check out Hope Beauty. Their website is hopebeautyusa.com. That's hopebeautyusa.com. And if you use the code PROBLEMATICWOMEN, I I think you need to use it in all caps, but it might not be case sensitive, but I know for sure it works in all caps, PROBLEMATICWOMEN women all running together, you will get 10% off your purchase. So go ahead, check out Hope Beauty, their products. They are wonderful. And Hope Harvard has been on this show before, I think twice before. She is an amazing girl with a very cool story, so make sure that um, you also check out uh, her on social media and follow along. But with that, let's talk about Ireland and some
1: craziness going down there. Oh man, I went down this rabbit hole last night and I am just shooketh. <laughs> shooketh, yes. <laughs> so. For those of you who maybe haven't totally been paying attention, and, and frankly, before you know, the last few days, I haven't been, Ireland has kind of come under fire recently. I think what really did it were the tweets that Conor McGregor, who is you know very famous for what he does in the ring, he tweeted out, Innocent children ruthlessly stabbed by a mentally deranged non-national in Dublin, Ireland today. Our chief of police had this to say on the riots and the aftermath, and the police officer was like, I don't condone this this is a horrible thing and he responds this is connor drew not good enough there is grave danger among us in ireland that should never been here in the first place Um, he's tweeted a few times uh at one point even going as far as to say ireland we are at war um and because of that a a video from earlier this year has gone viral of um you know legislative body there um introducing the incitement to violence or hatred and hate offense bill uh, 2022 and they're reintroducing that and saying that basically now is the time that we really need to be implementing a law such as this because this type of hate speech referring to conor mcgregor's tweets where frankly he's just criticizing you know, the undermining of of an attack by a non-national on children, three children were stabbed and two others were stabbed in this attack that he was referring to. They want to be able to prosecute him and, you know, either jail time, you know, fines, whatever. We're not quite sure what that looks like yet, but prosecute him for literally just utilizing his ability to speak freely on X. Elon Musk has come out saying that this would be just, basically he tweeted out saying language being proposed as law in ireland means that this could literally happen to you for having a meme on your phone and that is i think what's most terrifying because Mm -hmm. this law not only looks to regulate what comes out of your mouth but also what you have in your possession whether it be a political pamphlet whether it be an ad in a magazine whether it be a meme and I, i think that's what's just terrifying about this um In this renewed push, Irish Senator Pauline O'Reilly of the Green Party defended the bill despite criticism saying, we are restricting freedom, but we're doing it for the common good. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like Animal Farm. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, this is straight
2: out of George Orwell, Mm -hmm. Animal Farm 1984, you name it. Like He wrote warnings for us in those novels, and we are living them out every single day. Mm -hmm. And it's ironic that a fighter is the one to call them out. Yeah.
1: But if you don't believe us,
4: hear it for yourself. Because when you think about it, all law, all legislation is about the restriction of freedom. That's exactly what we're doing here, is we are restricting freedom, but we're doing it for the common good. You will see throughout our constitution, yes, you have rights, but they are restricted for the common good. Everything needs to be balanced. And if your views on other people's identities go to make their lives unsafe, insecure, and cause them such deep discomfort that they cannot live in peace, then I believe that it is our job as legislators to restrict those freedoms for the common good. Because you cannot do and say whatever you like in our society, a society governed by laws, that, that's that's the very fundamental of a legislation system that should be the very fundamentals of any legislator who sits in this chamber that they understand that that what we do is restrict freedoms so that was irish senator
1: pauline o'reilly basically justifying restricting of freedoms and she used the constitution Specifically speech yeah. yes she used the constitution to justify that kind of scary mm-hmm. um obviously this is more like you, you know, Ireland, it's Europe, and we kind of look at Europe sometimes. And I know personally, I'm like, even after going to England, we broke away from them for a reason. <laughs> but <laughs> that's not too far away. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, this is a very classic debate within political science, within specifically political philosophy of freedom versus, quote unquote, common good, equality. The problem is, and the big question that every society has to answer is who decides what the common good is because people are always going to disagree on what is quote unquote good and what is good for the whole community so in a dictatorship the dictator is deciding what is the good for the whole community Mm -hmm. and in america our the the measurement for what is the common good is the constitution and we have a very very rigid process for amending that constitution because we understand the founders understood it shouldn't be an easy process that because so many people will have disagreements on what is actually good for society that it can't be changed out of whim. It needs to be a very, very difficult process. And so the danger here is when you start saying, when a political leader starts saying, well, we need to change things because it's for the common good. Well, that mm-hmm. political leader may think it's for the common good and they have every right to think that, but that doesn't mean it is. And so there has to be a very, very rigorous test. And there's there's this tension, right? That yes, she talks about freedoms and giving up freedoms in order, quote unquote, again, for the common good. Well, OK, there, there's levels where she's right that we do within society, give up certain freedoms uh, for the common good. Every time we go to the airport, we are not allowed to bring a gun with us. And that is considered for the public safety, for mm-hmm. good of, of the public. So we give up that right that, OK, I'm not going to carry a gun in an airport, but that has to like it has to always hit very clear and distinct lines and limits. And what she is proposing is. Again, adding her definition of what is for the common good to a basic human right, a foundational human right, and a right that the founders argued was God-given, that Mm -hmm. freedom of speech, that that's not even, it's really not something, it's protected by governments, but at the end of the day, that shouldn't be something that any government has the right to take away. And when we talk about it here at Heritage, people say stuff all the time that we don't like, Mm -hmm. all the time. And we absolutely are going to be offended in our lives, and that's part of it. And we're probably going to be hurt too by things people yeah. say, and that sucks. But it is just part of life, and we don't have a right to not be offended.
2: Yeah, and you know, I'm as much of a sucker for a foreign accent as anyone oh, else. 100%. But don't <laughs> don't let the cutesy accent distract you from what's going on here, right? I think ultimately the headline here Mm -hmm. is this is the result of a political elite Mm -hmm. with a globalist mentality Mm -hmm. who are trying to enforce their definition of common good, which really is just control, right? You live your life under their thumb and they get to reap the benefits Mm -hmm. of being in this global political elite class of people that the rules don't apply to them. Mm -hmm. And that is Utterly terrifying. And I think, you know, back to Conor McGregor, I don't know what his political views are. Honestly, I don't really care. I love that he's riling up the conversation in Mm -hmm. Ireland because it's speaking to kind of more of a global trend we're seeing. There was um, the former interior minister of Finland a few years ago was uh, formally charged with agitation against a minority group, which falls under the code of war crimes and crimes against humanity. Mm. Our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom represented her They just settled this case. But the whole thing was because she posted about um, the Bible on Twitter. Right. The whole thing was about her posting a tweet about believing in the Bible, and she was charged with hate speech. Right. They they just found her not guilty. Thank God. Yeah. But you also see this bubbling over into other EU countries and, frankly, around the world. I mean, look at what just happened in Argentina and -hmm. the Netherlands. You have this— I guess you could call it a populist surge, where you have presidents now in in the Netherlands and in Argentina who completely go against this narrative of the global elites versus the everyday person. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think that is huge. Like no, totally. that is a huge win for not just the political right, because it's it's not a right versus left thing. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a global elite versus you as a human being actively participating in self-governance and choosing how you want to live your life. Yep. And so I think it's it's beautiful. It's, it's fun to watch it all play out. It's sad that we've gotten to this point, no doubt. But it's nice to see that even folks like Conor McGregor, who is not going to make a dime, well, he may make a dime, but frankly, like, this does nothing for his personal brand
1: mm-hmm.
2: other than get him thrown under the bus by people who hate him. Yep. And
1: to your point, I failed to set the, the stage of this issue, but kind of referred to there was a stabbing by an Algerian mm-hmm. who was a non-national immigrated. And for those of you not familiar, Ireland has, I think, reached the second Largest population of immigrants in their country ever because of their open, I I don't know if I can call them open border laws, but they've pretty much relaxed their immigration policies, similar to what we're seeing here so just to you know put it in perspective we've talked a lot about border issues it would be as if that spurred them introducing a law on yeah. the hill or you know somewhere taking some kind of action i mean to the netherlands is a good that.
2: example of that because it's another country in the eu mm-hmm. with mass migration mm-hmm. and they're seeing really negative effects of that and i don't know anyone personally who is against legal immigration i don't know anyone Mm-mm. but you have this massive influx of folks who may or may not be able to assimilate to your society and the rules don't seem to apply to them. Yeah. Which is what frustrates national citizens. We see the same thing here with the southern border, right? It's a free for all, open border, come on over, the Biden administration will take care of you, cradle to grave. <laughs> but <laughs> yep. us taxpaying Americans we have to foot the bill and we draw the short stick every single time. Yep. But at
1: least we can complain about it here. Yeah. Because in <laughs> yeah. Ireland, they can't God even forbid do you that. Say something yeah. yeah, exactly. Well,
0: unfortunately, Ireland is not the only country where leaders are saying things that just simply are not true. We know that full well here in America that... Unfortunately, we have leaders at all levels that just make statements that are false. The Daily Wire reported this week that a Maryland teacher is on leave after she made incredibly hateful and anti-Semitic comments on social media. Angela Wolf is the teacher, and she is head of the English Language Development Department, which caters to immigrant children at the Tacoma Park Middle School in Maryland. And since the attack on Israel on October 7th, she has been writing a lot on social media, and a lot of it has been very anti-Semitic. One of her recent posts talking about the war, she wrote, It's not a war. It is a slaughter. Israel determined to make Gaza uninhabitable. If you've actually paid any attention to the things that the leaders in Israel have been saying, they have been very clear that that is not their goal. Their end goal is to eliminate Hamas. She posted a really disturbing, sort of like a a meme or a cartoon, political cartoon with an Israeli looking through uh, the eye of, a, I think it was either a gun or a, a cannon, and in the side of the cannon or the gun were palestinian babies and the quote from the in the cartoon the quote from the israeli soldier was like enemy in sight so i mean just stuff that's plain propaganda but this isn't new for this teacher for angela wolf she's actually been posting anti-semitic things For a long time in December of 2020 she wrote on Facebook listing a group of wealthy Jews along with their net worth and calling them gluttons and thieves and claiming that they had done nothing for the community these were local Jewish folks in the state of Maryland and afterwards she claimed oh I didn't know that they were Jewish despite them all having Jewish last names so she's like yeah I I, trying to walk it back she's trying to walk it (laughs) back So now the school district, they're investigating the teacher for her anti-Semitic comments. But with so much anti-Semitism and, you know, just the, the straight lies, we thought it would be fun to highlight a few of the contributions that the Jewish community has made in our world to just sort of set the record straight for people like Angela Wolf who are making these comments that are so factually inaccurate who are making claims about jewish people that you know they they haven't contributed to their societies we we want to just highlight and celebrate a few jewish folks who have made amazing contributions in our world so let's start with martin cooper really fascinating he's a jewish american who built the first mobile phone and made the first mobile phone call that's wow. cool. Kind of amazing. We have him to thank for our cell phones. And also
1: <laughs> social media. Like literally everything we do on our phone. I know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like wow. And For better or worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Morj Tom is the inventor of the teddy bear. He was a Russian-Jewish immigrant. Just like, ah, oh, that's crazy. A really cool story behind that with Teddy Roosevelt in the background. So look him up. Very neat. Edward H. Land invented the Polaroid camera. He uh, was born to jewish parents and my goodness the polaroid camera has made it's such made a com- comeback i was gonna say does his family receive royalties from like how popular it those should. have become the last few years I think. totally yeah i have so many friends who have them and I've, i i have keep one think- you do okay yeah. i keep thinking about getting one i'm a menace with my polaroid now. well it's fun it's super it's fun, so right? fun yeah <laughs> my friend had one at her wedding and it was so like they have now a whole box of polaroids from just taking random photos at the wedding such a fun idea yeah Ralph Baer invented video games. I'm not a gamer, but a lot of America is. His Jewish family fled Germany shortly before the Holocaust, which is like how crazy is that that if his family had not fled, he likely would have been killed during mm-hmm. the Holocaust, we might not have video games if it wasn't for that. Like just crazy. The inventors of Google, Larry Page and Sergey Brin, were both born to Jewish parents would we have Google? Probably not without these guys. So I I think it's just so important as the world is losing their minds, especially on woke college campuses over what's happening between Israel and Hamas and people are so uninformed. Let's take a breath. Let's take a step back and let's remember the contribution that Israel, that the Jewish community has made to our world, cell phones google video games the teddy bear love it like just beautiful beautiful things powerful things powerful tools and let's set the record straight sorry i I monologued for like five five minutes (laughs) do you all have anything you want to add No, I mean, like, just bringing
2: humanity back into the conversation, mm-hmm. right? And, like, God bless mm-hmm. Luke Rosiak for highlighting this story specifically because, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, y'all know that I love education and school choice. Yes. And, you know, Montgomery County has been just such a hotbed of nonsense when it comes to yes. DEI, woke material in classrooms. This woman is on the board, the, like, the teachers union board mm-hmm. for Montgomery County. It's like... And she's only been put on basically administrative leave. So at this point, it's like Montgomery County schools are like not even taking a stand saying this is wrong. Yeah. They're endorsing this, which is so sad. And like at the end of the day, going to make the plug again, (laughs) school choice, universal school choice, (laughs) ESAs for all. Like let these parents whose kids have to go to these schools make a decision that's aligned with their values. Mm -hmm. It's encouraging to see the school choice movement making waves across the country. But when you have stories like this that come out of Montgomery County, Maryland, which Mm -hmm. is a very wealthy area, Mm -hmm. folks probably think our public schools are funded just great. Like, sure, we have great public schools. I'm just going to send my kid to the one that's aligned with our zip code. (laughs) And lo and behold, the woman who is teaching English as a second language classes or in charge of the department is an anti-Semite. Yeah. Like, that is just wholly inappropriate. It's in no world is that okay. And it wouldn't no
1: world. it wouldn't be tolerated in other areas of the world if you think about it. Like DoD, mm-hmm. they they've had tons of people that have been put on administrative leave and then, or you know, fired. Um, police officers have been let go for you know this type of a bias. Um, yeah. It wouldn't be tolerated anywhere else, but it's tolerated where we're raising young, impressionable kids, and in this case, young, impressionable kids that might have immigrated here legally or illegally, it doesn't matter, and we are developing this new culture of just hatred and constant resistance to our traditions, our country's values. We have no idea what's going on, but you could, and a lot of parents are kind of, you know, bringing it back to the beginning of the show, a lot of parents are starting to get involved to have a say in all of that. Mm -hmm. So again, to bring it back to the beginning of the show, the left
2: has been called on their nonsense. Yeah. And they refuse to see it. They don't want to take the blinders off. And all of their justifications are absolute trash, (laughs) absolute trash. Mm -hmm. They can't justify it. It's just it comes back down to this mentality of like, we know better than you how to raise your children. Mm -hmm. And Sure, there's examples of parents who may be unfit or whatever, but that is so few and far between yeah, those are exceptions. to put all parents into that class and say, mm, no, overall, you're not responsible enough to make decisions for the children you brought into this world. So we're going to do it for you. It's nonsense.
1: And can you imagine the inventions that might be inhibited if we allow for this to continue? You know, like, yeah, there's this lack of of drive, desire because of the culture that's being created. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a
0: powerful point what a time we live in. Speak the truth, guys. Speak the yeah. truth. <laughs> Hold fast to the truth. But There is hope. <laughs> there is hope. There's always hope. We need to end on a more optimistic note. I know. Note. <laughs> I know. Well, we're going to talk about a lady who, again, changed changed our world quite significantly. She's a good optimistic note to end on right after this. We'll be back to crown our problematic women in just one second. We get it. With big media bias, it's hard to find accurate, honest news. That's why we put together the Morning Bell newsletter, a compilation of the top stories and conservative commentary. To subscribe, just head to DailySignal.com slash Morning subscription or visit DailySignal.com and click on the connect button at the top of the page.
1: All right, now it is that time once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our Problematic Woman of the Week, and the crown goes to Rosalind Franklin she's super close to my heart as a biologist i feel like i watched video after video after video in high school and college about her but if you don't know the story of dr franklin who you know was a woman at a time that was you know a little more difficult to be a woman mm-hmm. in a scientific field especially she was someone that relentlessly pursued the answers to questions that have ultimately improved health and our knowledge of how life works What she specifically did at King's was produce the famous photo 51, which demonstrated the double helix structure of DNA. So we had our own scientists here, Watson and Crick, they were, you know, kind of modeling and trying to figure things out, but it wasn't until Rosalind's x-ray diffraction work that ultimately led to this beautiful photo. Maybe we can post it on our story. Mm -hmm. You guys might not think it's beautiful, but as a scientist, I totally do. (laughs) That basically, it's almost as if you're looking down a DNA helix and it shows the structure. That's really what solidified it. It obviously has led to so much modernization of medicine. I mean, look at any medicine out there. And it's largely modeled based off of using different types of um, mRNA. I know this isn't super popular, but some of the COVID vaccines and other vaccines in general use mRNA to um, infect you with a a dead version of the virus and then ultimately allow you to build immunity to that. That's largely what flu shots do. But we wouldn't have that technology without her. And for her to do that back in, I think it was the 1950s, when women weren't in labs, like, just what a trailblazer! What a trailblazer! And she was a British
0: chemist who was Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full, full circle. Full circle. <laughs> I don't
2: know about cool. you, Virginia, but my eyes glazed over a little bit there. But <laughs>
1: did you see how excited I was? I'm, waving my I eyes? love that for you. <laughs> love that journey
2: for you. And this is why I, you know, am so glad that there's people that I love it. are so passionate about these I things. I know. I
1: know. <laughs>
0: Kristen brings the science side. Like I don't know, but I think it's so cool. Space <laughs> and science great. <laughs> Thanks for
1: letting me nerd out.
0: <laughs> anytime, anytime. Well, with that, that is
1: going to do it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And in the meantime, please subscribe and share.
0: As conservatives, we need your support in the podcast world. So leave us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, wherever you
1: like to listen. It makes a huge difference. And remember, if you want to help us decide the Problematic Women of the Week, oh, yeah, give, us. Us yeah. give us a shout out. Yeah, shout out.
2: Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation.
0: It is a product of the Daily Signal produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram.
2: We produce problematic women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.